Hello, welcome to the Clubhouse. This is Golf Monthly's uh, weekly look at the various different events in the world of golf. Uh, and we are here to talk this week about uh, the US Open, which goes to a golf course that uh, not many people know, well, not many people on this side of the Atlantic anyway, know an awful lot about. So hopefully we can shed some light on the golf course, uh, who to expect will play well. Um, if you have any tips for us, anyone that you think is gonna win uh, the US Open, post it below, let us know. We'll talk through uh, the chances of many of the uh, leading contenders, plus we'll try and give you a few pointers as to who from the outsiders might be worth a few quid, and equally, who from the outsiders we don't think is worth a few quid. Um, anyway, getting on to this week just gone, it's probably worth just mentioning the golf that's happened. We had the Lioness Open, the, Aust the old Austrian Open, um, that was won by a new character on the European Tour of whom I know very little. Uh, gents, who wants to say something? Uh, yeah, well, he's been playing, Dylan Fratelli, that is, he's been playing some pretty good golf for a while. He's, he's lost out twice in playoffs on the European Tour. Um, good ball striker, not great on the greens, which I think has held him back a little bit in the past. But he played very well, and good to see him get over the line for the first time. Some good performances from the likes of David Horsey as well. Ian, let's face it, was a, a fairly uninspiring event, but it is a, a fairly uninspiring event each year. Um, so good for Dylan, and he's just part of this very strong South African contingent that seems to be coming through at the moment. Yeah, it is a strong con uh, contingent. For Sander South Lombard, good. another guy who I think has got quite a bright future ahead of him, played well in Austria as well. Did you watch the Austrian Open? Ha quick hands up <laughs> from anyone out there. <laughs> I'm not expecting the likes to come firing in. Uh, and then Dave, on the U uh, US tour, last night we had Daniel Berger, winner. Yeah, so he, he um, followed up his victory last year with another win this year. So that's his uh, his second uh, PJ Tour win. Um, fought off, I think Phil Mickelson was challenging for a bit. Was, he, they uh, were loads yeah, of them yeah, in there, yeah, weren't yeah. they? Ugly seven on a four and a half four. Triple triple bogey put pay to his uh, his chances. But yeah, good win for Berger. Yeah, and uh, well, Mickelson showing a bit of form. While we're on Mickelson, do we think good decision? Skipping the US Open for his daughter's mm. high school graduation. Well, he's running out of chances, isn't he? Well, it's for, a, it's a strange decision. Would you skip the US concern. Open for your daughter's <laughs> high school graduation? Um, what is he? Forty six, forty seven. He's probably got three more US Opens in the event that he notoriously the one he wants to win. To win. Yeah, um, six, six runner up finishes. Well, he's still he's saying if there's a rain delay, he can you know get in his jet and get over there. But it's a big if, isn't it? Was well, his tea time two twenty, and I think the graduation's at midday. Yeah, yeah. So it's I think he's pushing it. Unlikely. I think we could take it, Nigel. If you were ever in that situation, you would. <laughs> Not think twice about it. I just it. think the fact that it's the US Open and it's the one that he so badly wants to wants to win. It's the one he's come so close in before, for the sake of a high school graduation that can be videoed. Does he really need to be there? I mean, I suppose I've got my priorities wrong. <laughs> two, two very contrasting opinions from two of our our viewers. Uh, David has written, "No, I'd skip my wedding to play in the Open." And Jim has written, "Family always comes first. So there you go. Um, right. So let's talk about Aaron Hills. I think we've. Um, exhausted the weekend's golf it wasn't the best so let's talk about uh, Aaron Hills let's talk about the US Open uh, David has written whoever drives the straightest because you're not going to get out of that rough um, the rough has been getting quite a lot of attention on social media it looks particularly thick uh, gents from the preview content that we've put together uh, and the various different things that you've seen what do you make of the golf course well there's a lot of talk of the rough and yeah I mean they set it up that way every year don't they for US Open but Actually, the fairways are pretty wide compared to uh, compared to some. So, I mean, yes, it's it's a very long course. I think it's the second longest in major history. Um, 
but saying that it's a par 72, um, four par fives out there, two possibly drivable par fours, uh, certainly on a couple of days. Um, so I think it's slightly more of a chance to score than perhaps previous years. Um, yes, if you drive it long, as ever, you know, you're going to contend. But I mean, possibly they're making a bit too much of the rough, I don't know. Well, I read somewhere that the, the fairways are twice as wide as some other US Open host venues. Mm. And the fairways are going to be very firm as well. So it's one of those golf courses where if someone's driving it long, I mean, you're going to see 400-yard drives, I would expect. Uh, there's supposed to be some wind coming in over the weekend that could reach 20 miles an hour. So some of those downwind holes, yeah. you're going to be seeing some massive drives. They're talking about the wind being the, their major defence in this course rather than the rough. So Also, yeah. if it is... Um, it, it doesn't. The, 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 how long it is is just the number, isn't it? Because mm. you don't. What you don't know is how long it's going to play. Well, this you is know, the when point. When they were Merion, Merion's one of the shortest golf courses ever used for a major. But because it was so wet underfoot, and it was a par seventy, the point that you were making, mm. that combination meant that actually Merion held its own. It was long enough for sure. Um, well, I think another key point here is that some of the holes can actually there can be a difference of one hundred and fifty yards between the front tees and the back tees. So, for example, the par 5 18th, I think something like 620 on paper. But uh, I read an interview with one of the architects who said you can, you can reach that with an iron sometimes, depending on where they put the tee. Yeah. So I think there's, there's a lot of flexibility in terms of where they, where they put the tees. And also, I think there's, there's, what's quite intriguing is you've got very long par 5s and you've got five par 4s that are over 480 yards. You've also got two or three drivable uh, mm. par 4s. The par 3s aren't especially long as a collection. So it looks quite intriguing to me. I'm quite um, yeah, Paul, to Paul has written saying, can the USGA afford another Chambers Bay debacle? Probably not. So they'll do something to address any negative comments from the pros. I would be wary of whether the USGA would worry about having another Chambers Bay debacle. They always do strange things with the golf courses. If I had one criticism of the USGA and the way they set up their courses for the US Open, it's not that they're insanely hard. Some people, I'm sure... Many of you watching this will think they set up the golf course too hard and it makes it a bit of a slog and not particularly exciting to watch. I actually don't mind the fact they make it hard. What I don't like is when they take uh, par fives and turn them into par fours, or par fours and turn them into artificial par threes, or par threes and turn them into par... Whatever it is, sometimes it just feels like they're trying to reinvent golf. You don't have... Um, 300 yard par threes like they had at Oakmont last, yeah, last no, year or two years ago. Uh, I remember in Murray and there was, was Hunter Mayhem was sitting driver into one of the par threes and just cursing yeah, under his breath. Exactly. <laughs> and then likewise you'll have a par four that's like 280 yards which is just yeah. they're, they're, that sort of feels like you're reinventing golf. It does. As you think often they've done this as a bit of a gimmick and to make headlines where they don't need to make headlines because it's the US Open. So yeah no I agree just stick to the golf course as it was meant to be played. And uh, yeah, its natural defences should should mean it's uh, a tough tough chance anyway. Interesting that you bring up Chambers Bay because it does seem on paper to have a lot of parallels with Chambers Bay. Although crucially, the greens are supposed to be very pure, which yeah. obviously they weren't at Chambers. I'm Bay. I'm sure they were, but then they made the golf course really hard and bouncy. And then well, they, the greens got a lot of criticism. Yeah, there, no, yeah. I'm sure they were. Like if you went to Chambers Bay any other time of the year, they'd probably be fantastic. But it's because they tried to set up Chambers Bay really hard. And they made it so firm underfoot, they didn't water the greens and they lost the greens. And, uh, I thought Chambers Bay was one of the best US Opens in recent memory, to be honest with you. So I'm probably not the best person to have this discussion with. Um, so a few people writing in. Uh, hello um, to Jatti from Indonesia. Uh, Brambilia. 
uh, from Italy, hello. Uh, Toby saying, what's your thoughts on the Australians? Actually, without wanting to give away too much, we're going to come up with our own favourites and our outsiders for who we think is going to win. I, I think Jason, uh, Jason Day is a good shout for this US Open. He's sort of, um, I hate the word, but he's trending nicely. Uh, <laughs> trending in the right direction. Yeah, he is. And, you know, he likes the tough tough challenges. So I, I've got a feeling Jason Day will do well. Adam Scott, obviously. Yeah, I like Scott. The US Open does... Um, it does benefit the better ball striker. There's no two ways about it. If you if you can hit the ball long and straight, you'll do well at the US and Open. And if you look down the past list of US Open champions, it's a who's who of great golfers and former world number ones. It really is the sort of tournament that, that where the cream rises to the, to the crop, and that's because it is so difficult. And naturally, on difficult golf courses, the best players have the best chance of, of doing well. Uh, David has said, is the spider putter some sort of magic wand, the way everyone is switching, It'd be interesting to watch Rory using it. That's a story that came out, I think, today or yesterday. Rory um, is switching to new tailor-made spider putter. Um, you've got John Rahm using it, obviously. Day, uh, Dustin Johnson, Sergio. Sergio. Someone I was watching yesterday is was using Rose it. Rose well. using it? No, Rose isn't using it. No, he, I think he dabbled with it, but he then he went back. Someone high profile was, I think Schwartzel may have been using it yesterday, possibly. Right. It's certainly one of those clubs that's getting loads of traction out on tour at the moment. Um, and it you know, it looks pretty it's very eye catching isn't it it looks pretty cool um, so yeah maybe it is a magic wand they're certainly using it to quite good effect Jordan Smith's using it as well as we discovered last week uh, Jason oh here's one for you Nigel what's your tip for the winning score ooh um, <laughs> I think with with the wide fairways with the weather supposed to be decent with wind only getting up to about 20 miles an hour I think it will be somewhere around the 5 under par mark I don't think par will win it I know the USGA sets up its courses so par is a very good score and has a good chance of winning but I think there are going to be birdies out there with the driver ball um, par 4s with the fact that a lot of the par 5s are going to be reachable even though on the card they look very long uh, the par 3s which are traditionally the toughest part of the golf course to do well on they're not especially long so I think about 5 under mm. par but the that. bunkers do look pretty terrifying, so if you find yourself in the wrong positions, obviously the bunkers are rough, you could be making triple, quadruple bogeys mm. quite easily. It's one of those golf courses. Well, I think for those same reasons, I, I think I'd go higher. I'd go lower even. I'd go eight or nine under. I think um, if the, unless the wind really blows, I think you know there's, there's, gonna, there's a low score out there. So. But it also hinges on what they do with the tees as well, doesn't it? Because you've got a 640-yard par 5 that they could play well, as a 540-yard yeah. par 5. So it depends what the US team yeah, do. They'll judge by the first round of what they need to do for, for yeah. rounds. So. And, and no mention of green speeders yet, so it'll be interesting to monitor that as well. Because if they get them up there at sort of 13, between 13 and 14 on the stint meter... Uh, there's a lot of undulation on the golf course as well, so that could be extremely mm. difficult for the guys. Um, Jason has written, I thought Fowler, I presume you mean Ricky Fowler as opposed to Arthur Fowler, was using three wood a lot last week, the last couple of weeks off the tee, maybe trying to find more fairways going to the US Open. Thoughts, please. I'd be surprised if any player was doing that level of pre-tournament prep, but maybe they do, do they? Do the players think, OK, I've got the Open coming up, therefore I'm going to put a two-iron in the bag three weeks before if so I mean that might be a, that might be something they're doing I, I tend to think they just think one week at a time and if they're playing well going into the US Open they'll end up doing well but maybe you're right I, I, I'd be sceptical I'm not sure you know um, uh, Paul saying yep five under sounds like a good shout uh, Stenson for the Open for me David I presume do you mean US Open um, 
Toby saying Ross Fisher, huge chance this week. Ross Fisher's odds for this are about 125 to 1. So he's he would be an outsider. Really, really Great good form, form isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a really good shout. Plus, don't forget, Ross Fisher's been off the, uh, uh, out of the top ranks of the, the world's players for a little while, but he's been up there in all of these tournaments. He was very close in the US Open when it was won by Lucas Glover. 2009. So not like he's an outsider who's never tasted this sort of environment before. And he's a brilliant driver of the ball as well. Which I think is the number one attribute at this golf course is the total driving statistic on the PGA Tour. That's what I've been looking. How for often would you say that's the case? Because it feels like every time we do one of these, you say you have to drive it long. Well, interesting. Straight. I mean, Memphis last week was an example of a golf course where that isn't the case. But I think probably around about seventy percent of the time, because what's it called, bomb and gouge. So they'd rather hit a three hundred and fifty <laughs> yard drive and be paying a hundred and twenty yard second from the rough then hit a 280-yard drive and then come in with a long line. Yeah. The way that the course is set up on the PGA Tour. I'm not saying it's right, but that's the way it is, and that's why total driving statistic is increasingly important. And so Jason's come back to about the, the Ricky Fowler thing. It's just something I'm going to look at this week. If he uses lots of three words, finds the fairways, he's my pick. Uh, outside chance, uh, Brandon Grace. Yeah. Is he an outsider? I don't think so. He's about be? 15 in the world, isn't he? Maybe a little bit lower. But he's a good shout. I mean, uh, you think he's got quite a low ball flight, which should benefit him if the wind whips up. Uh, he'll be able to use the undulations of the course. Did very well at Chambers Bay, didn't he? Yeah, yeah two yeah, years yeah. ago, of course, with a lot of parallels to Aaron Hills. I think he just blocked one out of bounds on 16. But other than 51. That, 51 is a decent price. He played well at Wentworth as well, didn't he? So good, clearly in some good. sort of form. I think you probably would say he was an outsider at that price. Yeah, yeah, I think, yeah, I think so. 50 to 1 is normally the barometer, isn't it? So. So, quick question, straw poll. Um, do, do, do you think the US Open course setup is good, or do you think it's too hard, or do you think it's about right? Gents? Um, yeah, this argument comes up every year, doesn't it? But um, I think they aim for a level par winner, don't they? That's always their, yeah, their aim. Um, and it's quite good to see these guys you know, struggling yeah, from time to time. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's the US Open. It's, they should make it as a... Yeah. The fact it's hard shouldn't be an issue. Shouldn't be, you know. And the players moan about it because, yeah, some players because they're too pampered. Yeah, a certain number days. are going to miss the cut, and certain number aren't going to play well that week. But the players who end up winning, you don't hear much money from them. It's um, it's sets the US Open apart from the other majors. It's uh, you know, if they were to change it for any reason, um, it would, you know, sink back into the pack. Now, I, I, I enjoy the fact that these guys are going to struggle. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's good to see the guy who comes out on top is the one who get, copes with the conditions the best. So, do, yeah. do, do you feel a different type of challenge? And this is the identity of the golf tournament. And you're not going to find any arguments from me saying that it's too difficult because I absolutely love it. In fact, it's my favourite tournament of the year. I love to see them toil. If you want to see someone shoot 20 under par, see virtually every other week on the PGA Tour. If you want to see them, see the player who acquits himself best and attempts to deal with the conditions and is controlled mentally, that's, I think, what the main test of the US Open is. It's not so much a difficult golf course, it's your mental state. And we saw a lot of people lose it at Chambers Bay. I, was, I actually did a, I did a bit of research while I was looking at the final leaderboard and then trying to find out who had made negative comments about the greens. I couldn't find anyone in the top ten who had made a negative comment about the green and everyone who had missed the cut, basically. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think, well, with Chambers Bay, it's slightly different because the greens weren't, weren't fair. Which was, no, the, you know, but... The, fa the fairness doesn't come into it because it's the same for everyone. I, I, yeah, but the yeah, argument okay, people okay. use. Um, Jane's saying it's about right. Uh, Sean is saying it should be hard. It's major. I think um, you're right. It should be hard. Um, but the, I always think there's a difference between the US Open and the Open. In that at the US Open, they always put a score 
as Dave said, you know, they want the winning score to be about level par. I just think you get whatever you get that week. You, you set up the golf course and make it hard but fair. And that thing about fairness, I think it is important because if they unnecessarily trick the course up, so they make the, the greens so fast that if you're one percent out, you're off the green and in a hollow with no no up and down chance. That seems to me to be slightly artificial. Something that you know all the rest of us golfers who play the game normally we would never see. So and it's something that I so I can't identify with the challenge very easily because I just think well that's virtually impossible. Anyway, uh, Jane saying, have any of you been out there to Erin Hills? No, none of us have been sadly. Um, just on that par well, thing quickly, I think under par totals have won seven of the last nine years. So everyone always complains that you know it, it, it's stupid that par should win. Actually, it doesn't win very often in the U.S. Open. It's actually under par. Uh, Connor saying Thomas Peters has to have a chance. He's he looks like he's becoming mm. a real big game player now as well. Somebody who is likely to turn up and show well whenever the big tournaments come. One really good talking point. Interesting to be interested to see what your thoughts are on the fact that the purse, the prize money, has gone. Uh, sort of through the roof for this US Open. So, whereas last year the winner got $1.8 million, which is pretty handy, this year's winner will get uh, $2.16 million, and the overall prize fund for this year's is $12 million. I think last year was about 10 So it's a really significant increase for the US Open. I don't know... Um, it's the first time that the winner's cheque is more than $2 million, isn't it, I think? $2 million. Is it too much for winning a golf tournament for four rounds of golf? Uh, we'll leave that to you. Um, Jason, come back saying, um, what did you think of Kevin Nars' comments and display of the rough? I've got no problem with the rough being that thick if the fairways are really wide. Uh, they're, they're much, much wider than normal fairways, so you should therefore expect the rough to be thicker. I don't have any problem with that whatsoever. I don't know if anyone else does. Yeah, the, the, the one thing I would say is it's it's fair as long as the, fa- the, the rough is wide enough itself. So, Sometimes you get a situation where the rough is really thick, but if you miss it by wide enough, yeah, yeah. then you end up either on where the spectators are walking, which is bare, and you get an easy shot, or you end up on another fairway or something. Yeah. I think um, there's a lot of June, so it's not really the golf course that you want to be too wild on, I don't think, from the pictures I've seen. Um, right, so a few more comments. Paul saying, agreed, the, the RNA take a great approach to the Open and how they set the course up and the overall winning score. Look at last year at Troon. Jane's come back and saying it's, uh, it's all about marketing golf, and no, the prize money is dead on. Uh, Toby saying, great to see Steve Stricker qualify. He will mm-hmm. be in the mix. Um, he's from then, Wisconsin, isn't he? Steve yeah, he's from there, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then Ben uh, has said, Justin Thomas, I think, will go well. What are your views about players having played the course competitively before? I believe JT and Spieth both fared well as amateurs. Yeah, was yeah a, no, I was going to come on to this, actually. It's a good segue. So Spieth... And Peter Uline reached the quarterfinal of the 2011 US Amateur. Justin Thomas was knocked out in the second round. But they've all had, obviously, the preparation time before the 2011 US Amateur and the competitive rounds there, so they have an advantage, absolutely. Uh, who Harris English played. Um, Russell Henley, I think, is a decent dark horse shout for this week, also played. I think there were seven or eight players uh, in the field in 2011 who were playing this time around as well. But Spieth and Uline fared the best. Uh, Dave, do, do you think it helps if you've played, a, played that golf course competitively, even though the setup will be completely different? I think it does. Um, it does make a slight difference. I think going into this year, as with Chambers Bay, it will be great to a bit more of a leveling in the fact that the majority of the players haven't played it. So, I mean, my one of my picks, uh, John Rahm, has shown 
this year, you know, first year as a pro, how well he's played on courses he's never played before. And I think that is a, that's going to be a factor. You know, a lot of these players know the courses week in, week out. Play like him has come in and shown that, you know, he's won this year, he's finished however many top tens on courses he's never played before. And he, I mean, the fact that we're talking about him as one of the favourites when last year he was you know, top amateur at the uh, US Open has shown just how far he's come, he's come. so uh, he's, he's one to look out for isn't he? Uh, Paul's saying if a pro can't hit a fairway off the tee that's nearly 50 yards wide then he should have no complaints about being in thick rough I agree Absolutely. Uh, Mark's saying Paul Dunn for me bombing it and a great short game now um, he's a great player Paul Dunn but it would be a hell of a shot yeah. wouldn't it to see him <laughs> up there at the US Open no? Absolutely, yeah. Um, Jason's saying, do you think Rory's a little bit underdone coming yes. to this US Open? I do. I, I yeah, do. I'd agree. Um, but having said that, I think that Rory is at his best when he's swinging maybe at 98% speed. <laughs> Was he only playing I mean, I six know, tournaments, tournaments this year? Yeah. Something like that. Six tournaments. New equipment. I don't, it just doesn't I don't see it. It just doesn't have a ring of a Rory win, yeah. does it? I just, no. I can't, and he, he's I can't. struggled at the US Open of like, since, since winning it, since 2011. He struggled since he missed the cut last year, didn't he? He's um, not got a good record yeah. over the last five years. Jason's come back to say Paul Dunn has not got the bottle, my opinion. Uh, that's Jason's opinion, not my opinion. That's, uh, uh, Sean's saying Shane Lowry could do well. Jason has also said Lowry is a good shout, shapes the shots nicely. He does, and he's got an absolutely awesome short game. Um, I think when Shane Lowry is on and playing really well, he's one of the best players in the world. So you're not, was he not leading after 54 yeah, holes yeah. after yeah, yeah. So he clearly likes the US Open test. But he's done not much since because he did fall off quite badly in the last round, putted poorly. Mm. Um, this is the putting, isn't it, with Shane? Um, he can be very hit and miss on the greens. So oh, he's, again, come, he's coming back into form, hasn't yeah. he? He's in the last, last few, few weeks after tailing off. Yeah, let's badly. not forget he's a WGC champion as well. Elliot's just put a tenner on Matsuyama. No, I don't see Matsuyama <laughs> winning at all. I'm afraid no. that... Uh, I'm afraid that in in the current climate, with the talent pool as deep as it is, maintaining that peak for a long period of time is extremely difficult. Fortunately for Matsuyama, he peaked at the wrong time. He peaked at the time of the year where there weren't any majors, and there are a lot more people in better form than him, and I just can't see it personally. Um, Neil said, think John Rahm needs to calm down a bit, uh, maybe needs a few US Open appearances first. So that brings us on to, let's go for a quick line on your favourite, because you don't need to talk too much about your favourite, but who's your favourite and why? Me, uh, for Adam Scott, I like the look of Adam Scott. Uh, ball striking statistics are very good. Long off the tee, fairly straight, and quietly had three top tens in his last five appearances, including at the Masters and the Players' Championship. I think he's poised to strike again. He's been showing good signs recently. Obviously, he hasn't won a major since 2013, but he's clearly an exceptional player. He's great from tee to green, so I quite like the look of Scott. Okay, Dave? Uh, said John Rahm. I did say John Rahm, but some... Slightly different, but go for the obvious one. I uh, can't really see past Dustin Johnson on a course like this. You know, yeah, his form dropped off a bit post injury, but you know, I, th- I think it's set up perfectly for him. Um, and if he plays well, I can't see anyone anyone getting close to him. Yeah, I mean, his stats, his long game stats are absolutely outrageous. He's mm. first off the tee, first approaching the green, first straight game tee to green, and we all know he's improved massively as a wedge player and as a putter as well. So if it's now got to the stage where if Dustin Johnson plays as well as he can, he will win he every tournament. Yeah, uh, I'm going for Jason Day. He's 12 to one most places. You can get him with um, at 14 to one with Paddy Power and a couple of other bookmakers. I think Jason Day will win a U.S. Open for sure because he's got the game for it and he's got the mental strength for it. 
Um, I, I just think he's he's start, he's he's going to fly into this red major slightly under the radar. You should always be wary of that. The problem that Dustin Johnson has is that all the media attention this week will be on him and Rory because Rory gets it every week. It doesn't phase him though, does it? I mean, no, he's the world number one, got all that attention and has won basically every other tournament that he's teed up yeah. in since. Um, okay, so a few names that are coming out from you guys. Uh, ben is saying Billy Horschel coming into good form. Uh, Nigel, you like Billy Horschel, don't Legend. you? Legend. Such a good bloke and yeah, what a win in the top four over the last month or so. And also did very well, at, uh, I think he did very well when Justin Rose won at Merion in 2013. He was certainly in contention on that Sunday wearing the octopus trousers, if you remember. Yes. So, yeah. Um, Paul's saying, everyone you've talked about, I've backed. <laughs> uh, I need someone other than Aaron Scott. Um, Paul, you, you take, you've taken the tactic I usually take, which is to back half the field and then end up losing money and not knowing quite how. Um, Peter's saying, hard to see past Ricky coming good at the right time. Neil's saying, you haven't, um, how about Sergio? We haven't mentioned Sergio yet. Um, and then Mark's talking about Louis Eustace. Of those players we've just talked about there, I just can't see Sergio from, from basically a fake standpoint, like the man who's spent 19 years winning his first major. Is he really going to win back-to-back majors? I think only 12 people have ever won back-to-back majors since the Second World War. I was doing a piece on that the other day. Oh, I can't see and his record in the US Open isn't particularly good either. I know he was in contention at Oakmont last year for a period of time, but his overall record's not great. And I just, again, I, just, I seem to be saying this a lot today. I can't see it, personally. Okay, right, so outsiders... Outsiders, um, I am going to plump for Tommy Fleetwood, um, just because the season he's having is phenomenal. Um, if you know we're going to back an Englishman, uh, I'd go for him. He's about hundred to one for Tommy, I think. He's yeah, his greens in regulation is over eighty percent, I think, this year on the European Tour, which is you know pretty outstanding. He drives well, uh, hits it long. You know, if he has a good week, yeah, he finished second in Mexico, didn't he? Um, he played well at he, Chambers Bay as well, didn't he? I'm pretty sure yeah, he was in the top yeah, 20 or 25 there. there yeah, yeah. Quietly, a master. Yeah, I mean, you could say about a lot of players, but if he plays well, I think he'll he'll challenge. Um, Andrew Turnbull saying beef. He loves the game. I'd love to see him win. He definitely loves the game. Is he in the field? He qualified at he he qualified, qualified at Waterloo, didn't he? Yeah. Okay, uh, you're outside. Kevin Chapel for me. Um, he's really, really good from tee to green. Again, he's slightly weak on the greens, but all these guys can get hot one week, can't they? Uh, he's had, I think, three top tens already in the US Open. I think back to back in 2012 and 13, when he was a much worse player than he is now. Um, he's already won the season on the PGA Tour after something like five or six years on tour. He notched his first victory this year. I think he's a decent player. I think he's an underrated player. So I would say him, and also, uh, I know it's like me to say two names when I've only been asked for one, but I think Brian Harmon's quietly a very good player as well, and someone I'll be keeping an eye on this week. Uh, Jane saying Paul Casey. Uh, Graham is saying Mark Leishman outsider, question mark. Um, I think he is an outsider, but I also think he's got a chance. <laughs> I, mean, I think anyone, he's... you could say anyone, you could say... Yeah, but you forget Leishman was in that playoff for the Open two years ago and almost won the 2013 Masters. So he's got some major pedigree. Yeah, good player. Won the Arnold Palmer Invitation in the Arnold Palmer this year. Tournament. Yeah. Uh, my, I've got three outsiders, so I'm going to outdo you on that front. Uh, all of which, well, so Ben Ann, 125 to 1. Uh, Cabrera Bear, 100 to 1. And Russell Knox at 250 to 1. I don't know, why is he at 200? Is he playing really poorly, Russell it's Knox? not at having the a good season. 
but a WGC but, champion. And I put my money on Jimmy Walker last year for yeah. the USPGA, who also wasn't having a great season because his odds were way out. Banana Light, I'm afraid I can't give you Cabrera Bayo. I can't give you a man who hasn't won since 2012 and who showed yesterday, again, unfortunately, that he struggles slightly under pressure uh, on Sunday. To- Toby Cooper the- saying Molinari. Which, which Molinari? You can't just say Molinari. Uh, I think well, Cabrera Bay has the best third round scoring average on the PJ Tour but he really struggles on Sundays which is something he needs to rectify because he, he's good enough to have won multiple multiple times by now yet he's only won twice on the European Tour and never on the PJ Tour yeah uh, Westwood so Peter's saying Westwood is as good as anyone tee to green can he get a putting week um, mm, yeah. no that's the age old question isn't it no no, <laughs> no. He, he finished up there last year at at, um, well, at he's Oakmont mm. he was in the last group yeah he? and he shot something and like he, 43 going yeah out, and he's in better he? form this time this yeah. year than he was then we all love to see it that's it his putting has let him down on so many occasions do, do a pound each way yeah. I'm not going to miss what that what odds is Westwood do you know? uh, don't know uh, Jason is saying Fitzpatrick yeah um, this is a good shout we finished he's what, second in, in Sweden two weeks ago sorry and, and Massarine Golf Club hello from Antrim uh, Shane Lowry question mark. Well, we have already touched on Shane Lowry um, and how he just he's got certainly got big game pedigree and is certainly capable of winning um, a major. He's just got the game yeah. for me. He's got the game. Um, any other any other people that we've missed? Anybody else that we? I, I was doing a little bit of research into Lucas Glover um, the other day because his ball striking stats are absolutely fantastic and his putt he's way down the putting rankings. But is who's he, he, who's he, what clubs is he using these days? He's tailor-made, isn't he? Is he? Okay. Is he? Maybe. But yeah, it's, it's basically ball striking. stats as good as anyone on the tour. So if he gets hot, he's obviously a past champion as well. He finds a bit of form on the greens. Uh, it wouldn't absolutely shock me to see him in the top five. I don't think he'll win it, but certainly he's, he's got a chance of doing something. Uh, Jane saying Tony Finau. Uh, Peter saying Jason Kokrak at 250 to yeah. one. Uh, Anthony saying no one mentioning Rose. And Richard saying Alex Noren question mark. I saw something saying Alex Noren was one to avoid in the betting because his odds are artificially low or high. Not good. Uh, I don't know what his US Open record's like. but uh, The problem with any player who's just won the BMW, uh, he's, a, he's a great player and he's, a world's, he's one of the world's top players and he, his odds might be a little bit. overtaking, I think he's one spot behind Stenson. Is he? Yeah. Is that, yeah. Mm. Um, Rose obviously is the US Open player um, he's won there before his game is perfectly suited to it he's just tailed off a little bit hasn't he since Augusta and again his putting's an issue um, but again wouldn't shock you to see him out there at all who was the other one? Uh, Finau, Kokrak Kokrak I think is a really 66 good player 66-1 for Noren no, no can't no, be 66-1 really? so that's from, come from Jason yeah. Yeah, can we have another Verification on that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not. I don't believe you, Jason. I do, but uh, all over. No one seen sixty-six to one. sounds way too way high. Too high, um, uh, Brian, hello, Brian. Uh, it's evening in Thailand. Oh, sorry. And Sean Merriman keeps <laughs> saying Ernie Els, and I keep missing you. Sorry, sorry, Sean. That's nothing personal. Um, um, yeah, maybe because my own personal feeling is that Ernie's had his day, and I'm not sure mentally he's he's maybe quite there at the moment but what do you reckon he's about 500 from the world now isn't yeah. he he hasn't had a top yeah. 10 in is he even in the field surely you mean he won the open in 2000 that gives you what 2012 12. open it gives you a 5 year maybe he's not in the field 
think it might be. 2012, yeah, so this year would be his last year. Last year? Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Last year. Um, yeah. So Jason is saying William Hills is offering Noren at 66 to 1. At that price, yes, yeah, yeah. absolutely. I mean, when Man do you ever get the world number eight at 66 to 1? Mm. You don't, so put some money on him, even though I'm not sure his game is that well. So he's, of course, but Con- that Connor's price. coming back saying think he's at 55 to 1. Coming down. We've, we've seen two 55 to 1s now. So Everyone needs to get region. onto William Hill website. Yeah, um, uh, and then Charlie's saying Fleetwood, obviously Dave talked about Fleetwood earlier. Um, his, his ball striking stats are... No. Yeah. Uh, and Jane say have any of you golfed or been to Erin Hills no so I was mentioning earlier none of us have been to Erin Hills which is a shame because I think we'd all like to go um, and we have guys out there for us covering this week um, so yeah it'd be really interesting to see it on TV the photographs that I've seen that we've used in, um, on our website and that Golf Magazine our sister title in the US have used uh, in their preview content in their magazine, make it look absolutely fantastic. So Toby's, Toby's saying Noren sixty-one to one dollars. You have to. I have to get clarification on that. Toby also said about more Noren. Um, uh, Noren sixty to one, sixty to one. Ooh. Um, cool. I think that's it. <laughs> uh, AOB gentlemen. Don't think so. No. no, no. Uh, it looks. Yeah. I think it's going to be a brilliant one. I mean, the course. There's variety there. There's. It's completely new, so it's it, always intriguing to watch. So there's a lot of players. Yeah, the issue is. Uh, well, I think if the wind's up, they're talking about rounds could be as long as six hours because it's such awesome. a long course. But mm, that could be awesome. a few few late nights. Yeah, if, when it's uh, starting at about nine o'clock on a yeah, Sunday evening, yeah. it's so not really what you want to hear. Yeah, uh, you might need to get a combination of alcohol and caffeine on the go to get through that. Uh, anyway, uh, thank you for joining us. Um, we obviously at Golf Monthly we've got a whole host of different things going on on the Golf Monthly site covering the event over the weekend uh, we will also be back doing uh, another Facebook Live on Monday of, the, uh, of next week so looking back at what happened so um, please do take a look at the Golf Monthly website follow us on all the different social media um, uh, platforms but until next time it's goodbye